everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. And today, my special guest is Lauren Emmons. She's an award-winning illustrator based in the cold tundra of North Dakota. She completed her master's degree in children's book illustration from the Cambridge School of Art at Angelina Ruskin University in Cambridge, England. Her clients include Simon & Schuster and Peachtree Publishing. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm great, especially <laughs> now that I get to talk to you. <laughs> I'm honored to talk to you. You are so nice, and you are <laughs> such an accomplished illustrator. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm trying. I feel like I'm. I'm still very much figuring it all out. I only graduated last year, so I don't know. It's a, it's kind of wild. Wow, you hit the ground running. That's all I can say. I'm like, you're like the, Thank like, you. I want to be like, oh. I was like, oh my gosh, you oh, give me a lot so of nice. hope. And I, I love your work. It's fantastic. I love yours. Oh, thank you. But this is about you. So I wanted to go into question about. I know we are, we're in you're probably a little bit of an interview too and so oh, it's yeah, like very much <laughs> you're used to deflect use the questions exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very good listener <laughs> I totally get that so what got you interested in a becoming a children's book writer and illustrator yeah so it, it sort of it, it took a while like I feel like almost every artists that I in our field that I've talked to have been in that space of like oh I like it was drawing when I was a kid it's always what I've been wanting to do and I definitely did that I have photo my mom has photos of me when I was two just like smeared in paint like head oh. to toe um but I I kind of stopped when I was in high school I stopped drawing I stopped painting I was just pursuing other things I was pursuing music at a performing arts school um wow. and I just I hadn't really done anything for a really long time and then I went to college and I loved art and I kind of had that little fuel of fire that was starting again where I was like, I really loved this. Why did I stop? Mm. And, but I still, I, I had not drawn anything for like seven years. So I just started studying art history. Cause I was like, well, if I can't do it, I'll study it and I'll just, I will live in it and I will just have a lot of fun. I love museums. So I started focusing on museum, like education and history and then when I graduated university with my BA, with my BA in art history, I worked at a museum and then I started doing illustration on the side, kind of trying to get that fire going again. And cause I, I, in my senior year of college, of course, the last year was like, this is what I want to do. I really want to work in illustration again. Great timing mm -hmm. as you're about to graduate with a four-year degree. Um, but you know, it, it's fine. Um, so I started working at museums in Minneapolis where I was living and I mm -hmm. illustrated on the side and I was creating work I was really proud of that in hindsight was, you know, fine, <laughs> but it was a fundamental thing. It was so fun. And I started picking up children's books because I had just started learning more about illustrators and I just fell, fell head over heels in love with the art form of children's books and the incredible amount of expression. And I, I love storytelling. And it was like this perfect little encapsulated story that you could use color and character. And I just, I loved it. Um, but it wasn't, an, I in 2019, I started doing, um, kind of because I was in it, museums, um, I started doing some museum galleries. 
with for museums in the city. So I did uh, illustrated children's galleries. So I created almost like a 360 degree view of a like Viking world where you like walked in and then the kid could turn all the way around in a circle and it would be like the little world they lived in. And it was the first time that I had really explored narrative in that sort of space. And that gave me the confidence to then apply to my degree, which I had seen. And I was very much in that space of like, well, you know, this will be fun. I'll just apply. I probably won't get in, but that's okay. Um, I kind of miraculously did. And then I moved to England two months later. So, <laughs> And then I did my degree. So that's sort of that stumbling story. Wow, that's amazing that you just you. kind of went with your passion of doing the work that you wanted to do and just in self-discovery found it. But can I just really like find out about this program? Like, yeah, in, absolutely. In, like Europe has it going on with the children's books. Can oh, I know? They have such a long history of it, but such a long history. And, and the programs themselves are pretty intense from what I hear. They are. Yeah. Talk about it. I'd love to. It was, it's still one of the best things I have gotten the opportunity to be a part of. I was so, so, so lucky. It was so <laughs> incredible. Um, so the, the one that I was a part of at the Cambridge School of Art is an MA in children's book illustration um, at the Anglia Ruskin University School of Art area. Um, and the fun little fact that I kind of like is it was the first master's in children's book illustration in England. And now there's a ton. There's, I think there's one at Goldsmiths. There's one, oh. I know in Edinburgh, there's a bunch of them now, but it was the first one. So it was kind of cool that to kind of be in that space of history and to like very intimidating as well to look at the roster of graduates and be like, mm, cool. <laughs> that's, that's cool. Um, but it was really, really amazing. So there were a bunch of different modules. You started with observation. So it was, um, I did the full-time course since I was a, a international student. Um, that's the kind of visa you can get. Um, so I, the first thing you do is observation. So basically they just send you out into the streets of Cambridge and just say, go draw people, get comfortable kind of throw away the style that you're working in. If you have a style, try to draw people as realistically as you can. You don't have to draw them photorealistically, but try to capture their movement, mm -hmm. try to capture their expression, um, as well as just play with color, play with the expressions that you're using and the different media that you're using. So it was it was really fun. There was a lot of days where we would just go sit at, muse at the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge, which was my favorite place to go and draw. And I would just draw people in the exhibits. It was really fun. Um, so that was the first, it's, it's wild to think about it this way, but it was the first, uh, oh, how long was it? Because in the first semester, each semester had two modules um, for the full-time course. So it was about from September until oh. mid-October. And then from like October till December, then we did our first sequential module, which we focused on sequential art. How do you tell a story in a sequential way? How do you work with pacing? How do you work with movement? Um, how do you cut a scene? And so it, it's almost like if you're pacing cinematics a little bit, not quite. It was very, it was very different than that, but sort of in that same vein of being like, how do you get from point A point b and how do you tell this compelling story so that was that was the, the second one 
And then we did um, one called Diploma Review. Oh no, now I'm trying to remember what it's called, where you focused on children's age ranges. And each for, for each of these modules, you created a story. So you created a dummy book and then it, you brought it forward into a full dummy book that had two to three or three to four spreads that were fully completed. And most of the time you finished it and you didn't really want to look at it again because, you know, you grow and change as an artist and you learn new techniques. And so you want to go back and you're like, that's a little, that's not good. I wonder if I can fix this in the future. And so it was a really, really fun way of working through it. Um, and going from there. So yeah, after the diploma review, which was about ages and everything, then we did our uh, dissertation and our, so our big paper. And then after that, we had our master's stage project where it was a lot longer. <laughs> and so it was just that one project for the whole semester and during the summer. And so you kind of tried to create a couple of different projects through that. Amazing. Because is your no cats in the library? Was that part of that experience it was yeah it was one of the ones that I I finished and I still wanted to look at <laughs> that makes sense where I was still really excited by it and I had so much fun making it it was also the first time I'd ever touched digital materials and now I I do everything digitally um so it has that little special place in my heart um and so I tweaked it a lot. It was very different when I made it. It was it for my um, diploma module. Right. Um, and so it was very different. It's got a couple more pages. It's got a little bit of a different through line story. Um, but yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. And so the writing part of your journey, can I ask, was that just yeah. kind of on your own independently? Like as you're going through this, those modules, knowing that... Yeah. I am going to write my own stories and get inspiration. Very much so. It was sort of out of necessity because, oh. I mean, you could in the, during the, the, um, the curriculum, you could get text from somebody else. I know one of the uh, tutors on the module who also was an alumni, um, Maisie Paradise Shearing. She, one of her projects that got published was a retelling of oh, whose book, whose was it? Oh no, I'm forgetting. Um, I think it was, Oh, no, I forgot. Um, but hers was a retelling. And I know other people have done that as well. So you can take text that people have already created. But it can be kind of hard. And so a lot of people just are like, I want to try storytelling. So some people like a friend of mine, Christiana, um, isn't a very doesn't really like writing. So she was really exploring silent books. And how, how do you tell a book and a story without any words? So she also did her dissertation on that because um, she is from Latvia. So she's like, I want to create a story that I can understand, that everybody can understand. And that's something she really fell in love with um, throughout her time. So it's, it's cool. So everybody, you could really explore a lot of things. And you didn't necessarily have to stick to just children's books, though that was definitely the crux of it. You could explore graphic novels. You could create a series of like sequential postcards. You know, it was very open and exploratory throughout the program, um, with the exception of a couple of final. I think the master's one, they asked you, please, if you could create a children's book. Um, and 90% of the time, people still just created children's books for every module, but there was a lot of space to explore, which is very cool. It is. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it was like a, a dream. It <laughs> was. I still don't 
understand it. <laughs> and I was there, um, obviously, when the, when the pandemic hit a little bit, so it changed. Oh, okay. um, but I still, it's it's still just the best experience. Because you I've got to, you got to do the book illustrations and all that over and over again. And I think yeah. if you're passionate about it, because um, and this is like you know every program's different. There's always pros and cons. But I was like, I wanted to take more and more book illustration, and I loved the professor. He was fantastic. That's amazing. I knew, I knew he knew more stuff, and I was like, he knows more great stuff. And I I think because the way the program was structured, I could only take it once. So then oh, the no. rest. Yeah, so the rest of the time was like, okay, I need to do figure out how can I bring more children's books into the work that I do. Right. And so sometimes it can be difficult, but a program like the one you went to, it sounds like because everybody's so focused on that one thing, you develop some really interesting, you know, like strong connections. Because just from hearing yeah. you talk right now, these are people that you probably still chat with. I do. I really Aww. do. I, I love I there are so many of my classmates and my teachers that I, I don't Aww. talk to all the time. Um, and I miss that. I miss it so much. But some of my best friends still are. I know um, my friend Emily Gill is also working on a book with Peachtree. And so that's really Aww. fun. Both of us will be like, hey, how are you doing? How are the storyboards? So it's, it, that's a really fun connection Aww. to have. It feels it can feel really isolating to work in these fields. I mean, like we said, I'm an introvert. I'm pretty good with being on my own, but it can be still be really isolating over time as you're kind of sitting in the same space every day in a corner um, in a field that is, you kind of have to explain to everybody that you talk to. Yeah, that you're working, that you're actually working. On yeah. Your, and it happens to be that what you're working on is your passion, that you love it and that's Absolutely. fantastic. Oh, I'm like, thank you. I'm so like well, motivated to like, I got to get off of the, you, you know, you so got this. Go, I'm going to keep working on writing because Lauren's yeah. done it. And, and uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And I apologize. I've totally got oh, off what? the rails on the question. Oh, I love this. This is great. No. And I, I, I think it's incredible that also that you are like so focused that you're like, this is exactly what I want to do. So how do I fit it into my program? I think that's exactly what people need to do. It's just that self-exploration of finding how you can cultivate these, these pieces and turn it into this broader career and practice. I think that's, that's awesome. awesome. So how would you say were some steps that you took after you left the program in England, like to get up and running as a children's book author and illustrator? So my answer might sound kind of silly, yeah. oh, it's <laughs> but okay. it's honestly, a lot of the work I did was very internal. And I think that helped oh, a lot okay. where I left the, the, my MA and I was pretty lost where I, you had this immense amount of structure in a graduate program and then you leave it. And I, I moved back home as well because I needed to see my family. It had been a long time because of the pandemic. And so I like was like, okay, what do I do? How do I actually start this? And it can be really hard to find concrete advice for how to start. A lot of it can be just like, post on Instagram and it's like, I do, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it can be really, really hard. So I was still doing a lot of those steps. I was applying to different competitions. I was applying to different publishers. If I, if they had an open submission box, I was applying to agents. I was getting a whole bunch of rejection. Um, and that's really natural for the, the field that we're in. So I think a lot of the work that I did was just being really, really patient with myself 
and trying to kind of learn that it's okay. Rejection is okay. It isn't necessarily an automatic shutdown of your work, which is how I felt right after I graduated, especially because I had taken this massive risk, moved across the world, done this graduate program. And I was in the space of like, I'm going to get, am I going to be just like, well, this was for nothing, you know, that whole like internal spiral that goes on. And I think it was just learning that a lot of times, so at least with, you know, with agents and with publishers, sometimes they're not picking you up because they have somebody that has something almost identical mm. to what you're doing. And maybe they just, or they're just not interested, but that doesn't mean your work is bad. Things are really subjective. People are looking for different things and it's okay if somebody doesn't exactly, you know, vibe with what you're looking for or what you're working with. So I worked really hard and I'm still working on it of being okay when somebody isn't interested and to know that publishing is takes a long time it's kind of slow it, it mm. I feel like sometimes it moves like molasses and then sometimes it moves just like a rapids like there, there are two speeds in publishing and it can be really hard to to know where you're at in that if it's going to be moving really fast or if it's going to take a long time you know, you never know. So I've, I've worked, I think, hard to try and internalize that sort of those feelings that maybe I would have thought were failure. And now I'm realizing are just a natural part of the process. And I'm not always great at it. I'm still working on it. But I think that's one of the big things. And then the other part is just to keep going. So if something doesn't get traction, doesn't mean you're bad, doesn't mean your work is bad. It just means that that isn't the right thing. So it's kind of just that continual process of making things and being kind to yourself and being really gentle with yourself and just continuing to submit things. Um, looking for a lot of places that have open submissions. That's always a, a recommendation I have. Some magazines, a lot of them will have just open illustration submissions. A lot of agents will, and it's just a whole method of practice and yeah, gentleness, I guess. Well, that's that's such a great way of looking at it because I too have had a lot of rejections and it's and your work is great. I go like, oh my gosh, she, her her work is amazing and like she yeah. got rejections and I mean like all the I, time. It is, <laughs> it's comfort. I mean, it's like it's comforting to know how other people deal with the the mental hurdles yeah. of the of what comes with being a, an author and illustrator and mm -hmm. because we're isolated I do think our we create this little other person who just kind of talks to us absolutely and it can be negative or it can be positive and yeah. so I think what you're like I think it's perspective how you look at it it could be it might not be right now but it could be uh -huh. later or exactly. it's not what they're looking for it doesn't mean that it's not good so mm -hmm. thank you absolutely and that. yeah and I think like yeah. what you're saying with the isolation yeah, I, I also think we put so much of our worth in our work, I le at least I do, where I put a lot of my identity, even though it isn't what I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that my identity isn't always, always is in my work, but yeah. that I, my work is part of my identity or was for a while. And I've tried really hard to separate it a little mm -hmm. bit because then when I got rejections, I was like, oh, you hate me mm -hmm. as a person. I'm like, they don't know you. <laughs> they can't know you. That's no. okay. So it, a lot of that. I, uh, my process from 
graduating my course until honestly, until getting signed with our agent Tara, um, that whole chunk of time was all that. It was just learning to process rejection and just keep going, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the encouragement and the insight. You got this. this. Well, I appreciate it. It's like, it means a lot. So now you've had, you have um, the book that you did with Peachtree that's already out. I know you have other projects in the works, but have you found any like tips for like marketing those books that are already out that might be helpful for listeners who are interested in the children's book market and uh, marketing their work? Yeah, so the what the book that I'm doing with Peachtree is actually going to be out next year. Oh, so I am at, honestly very much still figuring it out myself because okay. I I have that coming out in 23, and then the one oh. I'm working with Simon the Paula Wiseman Schuster yeah. is 24. Um, and honestly, marketing is something that I really struggle with. I'm not good at social media, <laughs> so it's I am very much just figuring that out myself. Oh well, I. I love what you've been putting out there. You, uh, you're just, your personality radiates in your pose. They're so sweet. Oh, really? Oh, that means so much. And I'm really glad. It does. And I go like, oh my goodness, I'm super excited for you. I'm like, I I had already thought the book was out. And I was just like, when can I get this? When can I order this? So, but if you, yeah, yeah, definitely keep keep me posted. Oh, I will. No, I'm, I'm currently in the creation process for both of them. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. so exciting. Both your, oh, and it your, is very oh. exciting. It's very busy, but it's exciting oh. at the same time. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Oh, absolutely. This. this has been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. No. Are there any books that you recommend? Because, of course, as children's book authors and illustrators, we're just like buying stuff or yeah, checking out the love. Or, yeah, any any books that you're just like, I absolutely adore Nancy. You got to go check them out um, or buy one. Oh, there's there are so many for different okay. like avenues. I was trying to write some of them down because okay. I feel I, I was looking. I was like, which are ones that maybe people don't know? And there's, I, you know, you can't get, you can't always get there. But there's a couple that I really love. There was one I found when I was at Cambridge, which is, it's not necessarily like an early picture book. It's pretty long with text. Um, oh. It's from, it's a translated French piece. It's called Emmett and Caleb, and it is so cute. It's about these two neighbors and their friendship and sort of their kind of platonic love story or love story it's not clear but there it's so sweet and gentle and there's a lot of really like love in that and the illustrations are pretty sparse the characters are just so good they're so good um so that one I I really love um one of my my favorite illustrators is definitely um Sydney Smith so I talk like a river and small in the city are just the best examples of narrative like sequential storytelling especially small in the city we talked about that one almost every week at my MA we we love him he's he's so good he's also very nice um but those are incredible small in the city it's just it's so good it does a great job of having that ending surprise that you're not expecting but not in a humor way in a really heartwarming touching way um and I talk like a river is beautiful it's it's a really beautiful book um and then obviously I love Julia Sarda. 
Um, so Mary, who wrote Frankenstein and Sweep, are really good, and that's a very different vibe than than Sydney's this work. So one is very like soft and exploratory and traditional work, and then Julia Sardes is very um, is digital and very just it's so fun and vibrant, and the um, compositions are incredibly inspiring. She does a great job with negative space and vignettes. Highly recommend. Um, and then I wrote one down that my friend Emily sent me, um, which it's it's out of print, but if you're looking as an artist for a children's book that feels really comforting when you're getting rejection, there's one called Remy and Lulu that came out quite a few years ago, which is about a little French, uh, a French painter and a dog who's also a painter. And the painter can't, he his glasses prescription is out of date. And so he paints these beautiful expressionist pieces because it's what brings him joy. He likes looking at color and that's it. And people hate it. And Lulu will go in and do these tiny, tiny miniature paintings that are photorealistic and beautiful. And so people are looking at these paintings and they're photo they're weird. But then in a corner, there's this beautiful thing. And isn't it revolutionary? And so he starts getting a lot of praise, but it's not for his work. It's for the dogs, but he doesn't know it. And it's just this really sweet book about creative expression and being okay and finding there's always going to be somebody that's going to like your work and you don't need to try and fit into a box to get there I it's it's really sweet it has I think the line there's one line in it that's like people don't play um people don't pay for essence I think is the is the phrase people don't pay for essence at the beginning of the book and it's it's just a it's a good book about creativity, and I would recommend it. It's cute. Well, I'm getting all of your recommendations after we go for the interview. It. I'm like, these are go great. for it. Um, and if you like wonderful. graphic novels, this was our pact. Uh -huh. Incredible. Oh, beautiful sequential art. Does a really good job with paint uh, with pacing as well, okay. where it has a couple of pages that are highly like dense with the panels. And then there are some spaces oh. where you open it up and it's just a full spread and it's oh. so impactful and really, really good. So if you're looking at pacing, highly recommend. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check good. those out. So can you talk a little bit more about maybe your working process as an illustrator and also as an author too, because I would love to pick your brain about like, you know, like maybe from idea or how do you get those ideas and then work your way through <laughs> to do, uh, you Absolutely. know, it's, it can be really hard and it's so daunting, right? Like when you first start a project, mm -hmm. um, at least for me, I'll be like, I, I want it to be done because I can kind of imagine what it might be like in my head and it isn't yet. And it can, it, it's hard to like get through that first doorway a little bit. And I feel like once you get through that, it kind of opens up. It's almost like you're on a diving board and you have to kind of jump in a little bit, but that process of jumping from the high board can be a little hard. It can be scary and you don't really know what's going on, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the things that I have found are really helpful, especially when I'm in a space of like creative nothing or like silence almost where my brain just isn't working. It's not sending the right things to my hands um, is I just try to start anyway. And I found that being really messy with my sketches really helps. 
um, either digitally or traditionally. I just scribble. I go from there. I'll have a couple of things that I use as visual ideas. So I, I have a full spread of just shapes for compositions, oh. which is like my composition cheat sheet. So if I ever am really stuck, I can look at that and be like, okay, how would I work in a space using this triangle? Is there a way that I could play with this sort of composition? Or how, what if I turned this into a bird's eye view? Or what if it's from outside of a window? Um, and so then I'll start to think about it like that a little bit. Um, in terms of creating the full book, mm. I think one of the best things that I have is just creating a bunch of tiny dummy books. It's oh. helpful. So either whether that's digitally, and then I will sort of create these tiny little thumbnails and then print them out and then try to read it or even just oh. as a PDF, really, really messy sketches okay. um, or storyboards. And then I will start to find things that don't really work. Mm -hmm. And through the process of being even just constricting myself and saying this needs to be a 12 or 14 page spread picture book. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of the story I want to tell. These are the story beats. Mm -hmm. um, I, I start off in a lot grander. And then I, through the process of working on it, I will simplify and simplify and simplify and simplify. And often through that process, I will find pieces that work and it's mm -hmm. it is just a lot of kind of letting your kind of not killing your darlings but just letting them go a little because they're going to be ideas that I love mm -hmm. that nobody needs awesome. so it, it is a process of finding like who am I creating this for is this for me or is this for a child mm -hmm. and then trying to find the pieces that don't fit as best I can and sort of simplify um but I found the process of dummy book making can be really helpful it can feel very constricting sometimes at least it did during my MA where I'd be like I have nothing else to I don't know how I can fix this again um but that's that's super super helpful so even before you have complete sketches just really mm -hmm. messy just stick figures mm -hmm. in a storyboard that you can look and create a tiny dummy book in your hand and flip through it and be like the pacing here doesn't work the flip mm -hmm. here does work. I need a little bit more excitement. And then that will create it almost like you're constantly reading a book as if it were okay. a book. This is pretty helpful for me. Oh, awesome. That's wonderful advice. Can I ask, so do yeah. you have your manuscript like fully formed out or are you like <gasps> revising as <laughs> you're going? Uh, it's okay. I'm so sorry. Oh no, it's okay. It's totally okay. A little fur baby. <laughs> he is. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's okay. He wants to be in the interview too. He has he has thoughts on this. I was gonna say he's like, I have many thoughts about dummy books <laughs> and writing. I'm a writer, mother. I'm a writer. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really oh. I I'm honestly not a very confident writer. I'm working on it. I, it's something I, I really, I love storytelling. And so that's sort of what I try to lean in on is the storytelling of it rather than the traditional manuscript style of it. Okay. And something that I found really comforting okay. both through my MA and through the experiences that I've had so far with my books um, uh -huh. is that you're going to have, at least for, for, for me, I have yeah. an agent who can look through uh -huh. it. And even after my agent is done, 
my editor is going to fix it up for me. So I think the, the best thing that I have is creating that story. And then through that story, I can sort of create the text and hope that the text works okay. And then that manuscript will sort of come from there. So in my experience, and I don't think this is maybe what everybody does, but my manuscript comes last almost. And I think a lot of people do it interchangeably, Mm -hmm. but I will do storyboarding first because the visual aspect is how I tell my story. And then I will put the story together as a narrative. And then I will kind of try to find words that will fit. And then through the process of creating these dummy books and reading it and trying to read it out loud, either to yourself or to somebody else, those words will kind of come in. And then I'm comforted in knowing that I I don't have to worry that it's completely grammatically correct because I am horrible at it. So I'm I'm much better at academic papers. I don't know. I I haven't done a lot of creative writing in, in my life prior to this point, so... No, I I relate to that. And it it makes me want to try other ways of doing it because I've been more doing the, okay, have the manuscript and then go into this other part. But I'm really game to try anything. I mean, like at this point, I go like, (laughs) you know, this is maybe there's something else. Try something else and then see if it works. I mean, like I've talked to other illustrators and they sometimes do a hybrid of storyboarding and then they're writing and then it kind of goes back and forth and then some who are more manuscript so I think it's always helpful to get other perspectives see I agree (laughs) that's okay we got that that was I'll take that as an agreement I'm so sorry no it's okay it's totally okay now I wanted to ask you how do you manage all like a work-life balance because you have lots of things going on in your life and you have books that you have to illustrate or you know edit and all that so how do you manage all that um very gently I guess trying to be really Uh gentle with myself again I think one of the the biggest things that I can that I found that really is helpful is through having pretty strict boundaries with Uh myself Um, and I don't always fall into that a lot of times I will kind of it you know if I'm in a pickle and I need to work later or I need to work on the weekend then I will still do that, but I try to be really strict with myself because like we were talking about earlier, it's, you know, we're pretty isolated in our studios. We're by ourselves, And for me, mine is in my tiny apartment and I don't really have a huge separation. I don't have a door I can close at the end of the night. So for me, it's about setting my own boundaries in when I can go into that space. When can I sit down? And I have a routine every morning of, checking my email and checking the social media and then having, you know, having my coffee. And then at the end of the night, the same thing, I turn off my computer in the same way. I put everything away and that's sort of the end of my day, like a work day. So that's one of the things I try to do. Um, Like I said, sometimes it doesn't super work where when you're really busy. Um, And I know I also have just a a small, like very limited hour part-time job in town just to mm-hmm. you know keep things easy and to get a little bit of I guess the outside world yes. um, as well so that's another element where I then I have to make sure that I'm structuring my time externally of 
you know, within my working hours. And, and yeah, a lot of it is just being really gentle with myself, um, but having these really strict boundaries of when I'm going to be working. And if I'm going to be sketching and just having fun with that, not letting that be connected to work, having that just be something I do for myself yeah. in the moment if I'm having fun with it. So for me, often that's just a sketchbook and a ballpoint pen. That's sort of what I find joy and I will just create fun characters and my partner and I will go get some coffee and then I'll just kind of sit mm. and have fun with that, but make sure that it has nothing to do with my work, um, that I'm not accidentally in the corner writing a note of being like, okay, in spread number 12, I need to change the direction. You know, those little things are writing, doing little character sketches, yeah. trying to make sure that what I'm drawing is just for me in that moment, because I still really love drawing and I love the process of that. And I, I don't know, I think that's kind of a rambling answer, but Oh, yeah. it makes sense. Like I've started um, trying to figure out a personal project, something unattached, or maybe yeah. a skill set I want to learn that has nothing to do with children's books or art licensing. Um, it's just something for me. And I may Absolutely. never show it to anybody. It might just be something that I just, oh, I wanted to learn this. And it's yeah. fun. And it brings me joy in my art. And so I'm Absolutely. Still that. So I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the things I do yeah. is I have creative outputs that aren't related to drawing. So I oh. love a lot of other crafting oh. things, but okay. I'm never going to sell them. They're never going to see the light of the day. <laughs> just for me, I'm just going to have fun crocheting or playing with clay or whatever. And that's sort of my way of, you know, having that moment of creative expression. And I think that's a great idea. Just do something, learn something, have fun with it, yeah. but have it be just for you. Oh, that's, that's such a wonderful thing to have that. I think it just helps us. And like you said, you have a part-time job and things like that. I think it just helps us keep us like in touch with inspiration and people. Yeah. And, and it just helps our work become more real because we're pulling from all those life source um, materials and experiences. And um, yeah, I think it makes it more believable. So if you could go back to a younger you, what advice would you give yourself uh, for your art journey? Um, you know, I think the big things would be just that art is slow. It takes a lot of time, both in terms of just the actual career part of it. You know, it can, it, in the grand scheme of things, it's very fast, but it feels really slow. Um, but also the cultivation of your work takes a lot of time. And when you're trying a new medium, you're not going to be great at that medium right away. And that's okay. That's all right. You know, it's, it can be hard when you're standing at the beginning and you're looking at where you want to be based on either other illustrators or other artists, or even the idea that you have in your own head that isn't coming out and you don't know why. It can be really hard when you're standing at that precipice and just being so frustrated. And I think it it's just reminding myself that it's okay. It takes time. And in five years, you're going to be a world away from where you are right now. So just enjoy what you're doing. Follow your goosebumps. You know, love the things that you're doing in the moment. And things will follow from there. That's awesome. 
Now, you've mentioned some of the projects that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Is there any other stories that are just kind of percolating in your head? Because I know you mentioned the the two, but uh-huh. is there anything else you could share with us? Yeah, on? I, I'm working on a, 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 I finished a little bit ago, uh, an illustration for um, a magazine. I'm working on another one with a different magazine oh. now, but I have a story in my mind that I haven't had time to fix yet. And oh. I don't know if it'll be good at all. Um, but I, I have this uh, a story about a ghost in a museum, maybe. I don't know. Okay. We're, we're playing with it. I don't know if I'll do anything with it, but it's sort of just in the back of my mind. And I don't know. Apparently, I have a thing with public institutions because I must <laughs> I wrote a book about a library. And I want to write one about a museum, but... I love that. I love the Harl Art Museum thing because I was an um, art teacher for 11 years. <gasps> yeah. And we adore art museums, love taking the kids on field trips. And it was always surprising how few of them had never been to an art museum. I taught in a very rural part of Georgia. So it was like I was the person that got to have wow. them experience an art museum for the first time. And they were just like, oh my goodness. And I was like, they could then see the scale of the images and see the brush strokes and just that yeah. feeling of that moment when you see a piece of work in person is so satisfying. I go, Absolutely. books are great. Don't get me wrong. Books are mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if you can go see an original like Monet, like the scale or like, oh yeah, I don't know, just anything you can imagine. It's like, it's, it's phenomenal. So it is. I, and I, to- I, I, like I said, I worked in a museum in sometimes in the educational sphere, and it's just the best, mm-hmm. either bringing kids there or like getting to experience that firsthand for yourself. And then I loved watching people have that same experience. Like we had a couple of installation pieces at the museum I worked at that were just, just incredible. And I just loved, I experienced it myself. And then I loved to sit and watch while people Aww. were just like, going through it's just such uh, museums are great I love them now since this is a podcast where can we see your work absolutely um so I am on Instagram and Twitter uh my Instagram is hey Lauren Emmons and my Twitter is Lauren I think it's one underscore it might be two but underscore Emmons um and then I have a website as well which is just laurenemmons.com but that's that's where my work is out in the world. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for doing this. This was fantastic. And I love your energy. You're delightful. I wish you continued success with everything you work on. And I know you'll be successful. (laughs) You You don't need my well wishes. You're going to do awesome no matter what. (laughs) So um, everybody, thank you for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Bye.